Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's only one authority on the Tennessee Titans, and that's the Tennessean. And there's only one show that's an authority, too, and you've found it. This is Talkin' Titans. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Talkin' Titans, a special game week edition. It's finally here, Eric, the start of the 2020 season. The Titans are going to be in Denver on Monday night. Uh, last game of the week in the NFL, the Titans are uh, on, a, on a big stage, finally, <laughs> playing a primetime game in the regular season. I'm joined by Titans beat writer Eric Bacharach, and um, Eric, what's up? How's it going? It's going well, Gentry. I'm, I'm excited it's here, and it, you know, it, it kind of feels like you know, last season was three years ago, and it also kind of seems like it's all been building toward um, you know what what we're about to start talking about, which is you know the hype for a, a, a team that brings back a lot of important starters from last year, but also, and this will be the the main topic we talk about, the, the guy that they just brought in, Jadavion Clowney, that felt like it dragged on for three years in itself. It's interesting that uh, he brought it down to the wire again. If you'll remember, you go back to last year. Uh, he was traded from the Texans to the Seahawks with like nine days before the season opener. Ended up playing, you know, a significant portion in week one of that game for the Seahawks. And, and this year, it's, I, I think it's going to be eight days between the time the team announced he'd agreed to terms and the season opener for the Titans in Denver. So it's, you know, it's, it's here and it kind of... Um, happened quickly. Uh, it was really exciting. My question to you, Gentry, is that what, if any, reservations do you have about who, to me, is the most exciting free agent signing in the Titans era? Yeah, we, well, we certainly had a lot of time to think about this. Yeah. I mean, you know, this went on for about six months before uh, Clowney finally makes a decision and joins the Titans. I, I, I mean, on the surface, it, you understand the hype around this because of the name, the guy's reputation. Um, I mean, he's a phenomenal talent, has been all through high school, college, and now in the NFL. Uh, he can do things other guys can't. And I, I think for the Titans, w even though his production hasn't always been there in his career, I think what you like the most for them, he's a guy the other side's going to have to be really scared of. And, and they're going to have to know where he is, and they're going to have to game plan to try to, to limit him, which could really free up a lot of other – a uh, lot of avenues for other players on the Titans defense. That defense looks a lot more complete now with him on it. You know, the reservations, um, you know, the Titans are a team that uh, they're, they're a very overachieving, gritty, hardworking kind of bunch. And, you know, you got a guy in Clowney, he waited into the end of training camp to sign. He's a guy who in the past, maybe some questions about work ethic along the way. And, um, you know, maybe some reservations about how that fits in on the Titans, because I think when a guy comes in uh, who doesn't want to, if the work ethic is lacking, he's not going to fit in on this team. The Titans are, are built that way. I agree. I, I will say that I'm, I'm less concerned with Clowney in that department than I am Vic Beasley. To me, Vic Beasley, I have very legitimate concerns in that area. And we, we've seen that already. And he, he's, another, he, he's another player that, 
it'll be interesting to see the type of impact he has. Honestly, I, I don't know who I would pick to have maybe play more snaps. I think it would probably be, be Clowney just based on what he did last year. I, I don't know if you've seen Gentry, but last year Clowney played about 61% of the snaps for the Seahawks. And again, that was coming to a team that he really had no familiarity with. I, I think the the key thing in, in this whole Clowney situation for the Titans is that Mike Vrabel knows him and knows him very well. Clowney had his best season in 2017 when Mike Vrabel was the defensive coordinator for the Houston Texans, and he used him like a chess piece. He, he you know moved him all around the defense, figured out the way to exploit what he does so well. And, you know, I think in many regards, it's kind of, kind of going to be picking up where they left off. I think to add that element to a, a Titans defense that, you know, was, was complete already, you know, I don't think it was great before he got here. We'll see if it could ascend to that level, but I think it was complete. I think, you know, if Vic Beasley shows up, I think he felt good about things either way. I think that really can elevate it you know, to, to the next level, but it, it's going to be a question of, you know, does Vic Beasley have the type of impact that, uh, you know, the Titans hope he does? Is he somewhere between what he's been the past few years and, and you know, the 2016 version of himself that led the NFL in sacks and is Clowney, you know, going to live up to the hype? And I feel more confident about one of those than the other. And it's Clowney and it's because of the variable factor. Yeah. And I think the, Signing Clowney means you don't necessarily have to worry as much about Vic Beasley if you're right. the Titans, I, I think. Uh, I, they would have wanted Clowney anyway, but I think, you know, them signing him comes after a preseason where Vic Beasley didn't do very much to suggest he's really going to be a reliable solution for them. Not at all. And, and, again, this isn't a team with a lot of needs on it, but if you had to say one, you'd say pass rush. And, and I think Clowney, given the need, given the player – was a heck of an addition for them. Now we'll see, you know, Clowney, I remember when, when I covered some SEC teams in college who went against Clowney, I saw coaches worry more about him, offensive coaches, O-line coaches, worry more about him than any player. And it wasn't necessarily because of what he was doing every single play. It was because of what he could do every single play. You've seen the highlight against Michigan with what he did blowing up the, the play in the back. I mean, and I guarantee if Clowney is healthy for a whole season with the Titans, you're going to see one or two of those, you know, those moments that, that kind of show what he's capable of doing. And those little, those few moments make the other offense have to, to be very, very worried about him. Yeah. It, it's funny to me, Gentry, just thinking about where we were at one point on Saturday, which was roster cut day. That would be Saturday, the, uh, the fifth. At one point, we saw we got news that DeAndre Walker, you know, who, who by most accounts, by my account, looked okay in camp. He got some first-team reps when Kamala Correa and Beasley were out, opposite Howard Landry. You know, I thought I thought all along that Roberson was above him as far as how much the team liked him, but I, I thought he was poised for a prominent role. And then we get word that they cut Walker. Uh, you think at that point, okay, so we've got. Howard Landry, Vic Beasley, who, you know, still at that point was uh, on the non-football injury list. Derek Roberson, who was carted off the field uh, a few days prior. And, and you know, uh, not much else to speak of. You had Correa, you had Wyatt Ray, who didn't end up making the roster, and Jamal Davis, who didn't end up making uh, the roster. Both of those guys were on the practice squad. You go from that to Vic Beasley, 
Jadavion Clowney, Harold Landry, Kamala Correa. You know, we'll see how long Roberson is out from that injury. Uh, I don't think it's anything serious. I think he'll be back soon, which is evident by the fact that the Titans didn't put him on IR. All of a sudden, this this position group goes from, you know, liability, potential liability, as it's been in years past, to me, to, to you know, a hands-down strength. And, I, you know, I think that's huge. I, I look at this Titans roster and, you know, if, if you're looking for holes at this point, you really kind of have to be picky as far as biggest needs um, on the team now that they've addressed this massive hole that they've had the past couple of years. You know, I, I just think in one fell swoop, you really uh, – I, I can't think of a more impactful player to add than Clowney. And I guess uh, to that point, Gentry, the next question I would have for you is where do you see – you know, concern elsewhere on the roster. Do you see any concern? Depth, uh, and and if you look at at the depth chart that that uh, you tweeted out last night, it was the the starting twenty two is pretty solid. I mean, it it is hard to see many weaknesses on either side of the ball in the starting twenty two. But after that, it goes downhill pretty significantly. I think the depth's a real issue at wide receiver. I think depth's a real issue at running back. I think depth. There really aren't many spots on the team that when you look at that second group you feel pretty confident with how it would look if they stepped in. Um, maybe in the secondary, I think they're, the depth's a little solid, but I, there are certain spots on the team they didn't really address at any point in the offseason that probably could have used some help, wide receiver being number one on that list. Uh, after the top three, I think it's a pretty significant slide there. I, I think Khalif Raymond had a pretty good preseason, so I don't mean to – don't mean to – be overly critical of him, but, but there's just not a lot of experience outside of the top three. And, and same thing for Darrington Evans coming in behind Henry at running back. Uh, same thing at quarterback where Logan Woodside's behind Montana. I, I think I have real concerns about the depth, especially on offense, but really all over the team where when you get outside of that starting 22, that said starting 22 is good. And in the era of salary cap football, I guess you pick and choose your spots. And I think they're, they're spread pretty well right now. I think they're about as complete as you can be mm-hmm. without lacking, you know, for a team that gave the quarterback big money, the running back big money, uh, answered, you know, checked all the boxes they wanted to check for the most part this offseason. I guess, you know, you lose a Conklin or a Logan Ryan, but right. I feel like they, they held serve pretty well. And then when signing Clowney, they finally break serve. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and they had the money to do it because they stayed patient. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think, I think John Robinson deserves some credit in that regard. They also brought in Steven Goskowski to address what honestly might be their biggest need, which is, you know, I, to me, it's still unbelievable that the Titans got as far as they did, kicking 44% on field goal. We'll see how his hip holds up. We spoke with him on a conference call the other day. He said that he's doing well. He's been kicking since March, you know, had been fully cleared by what probably would have been mid-January. You know, so he's... He insists that he's he's healthy. Uh, he's 36 years old. We'll see where he goes in that regard. I, I I think I agree with with everything you're saying. You know, as far as the depth, but you know, the counterpoint to that is, you know, if, if Derrick Henry gets hurt, there, there's nobody that they're going to be able to find to replace him anyway. And I think, you know, that that throws a major wrench into things, no matter what. Um, you know, I, who I would have tried to sign there. Adrian, Adrian Peters. Yeah, yeah. I, you you I, could have gotten him cheap, and if you want a guy who's pretty close to Derrick Henry. Yeah, I, I had the same thought. I, I thought that that could make sense. Um, 
you know, I think AP, there, there's a reason he was cut from Washington. Uh, he didn't make the 53, but I agree. I think stylistically, you know, he's much closer to what Henry is than, let's say, Darrington Evans. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how all of that uh, plays out. Another question I might have for you, Gentry, and I guess we could end with our thoughts on Denver, expectations for the game. Uh, if you'll remember last time the Titans were in Denver, it was the debacle. It was the nightmare, 16 nothing. Titans Worst lost. game of the season. Worst, Worst game, game of the season, season, but also the turning point because that's the game that Marcus Mariota was benched. Brian Tannehill came in, you know, didn't lead them to a win or anything, but from that point forward, this offense was was really off to the races. You know, yeah, I, I think it's, um, you know, the Titans are obviously in a much different place now than they were for, for that game. And uh, I know everybody wants to talk about the altitude, and, and that that is significant when you're going to Denver. But it's going to be so – different without fans. I'm sorry. I don't buy a home field advantage for anybody. Um, Eric, I mean, we talked about it. I went to Nissan for one of the national SE soccer games and it's, it's awful, dude. I mean, really, it's like being in a library. You might as well be be in a park somewhere. It really doesn't matter. And other than the fact that Titans are going to have to travel to get out there, it really doesn't matter. I think that they're playing it in Denver. I, I think that's a huge loss for the Broncos. I think one of the reasons they fared so well, everybody, again, everybody wants to talk about the altitude and that does matter, but I think they have a really good atmosphere there. They have a lot of support. They sell out those games. Uh, you're in that stadium. The fans are kind of on top of you. It's, it's built that way. Right. And um, I think it's really going to help the Titans to go into Denver and not have to deal with any fans. That's Gentry. The, uh, the Broncos are 18 and two in their last 20 home openers going back to 2000. That, that to me is just a ridiculous stat and speaks to, you know, how effective, uh, you know, a, a home crowd is there. Yeah, totally different, though. I mean, you've got – Denver added some new pieces. Right. And whereas I think that will make their team better over the course of this season, it may not make it better in week one. Uh, they're still going to be feeling, feeling their way through some things, I think, whereas the Titans, I think, will benefit from having a lot more familiarity with the guys they have coming back. Yep. I like the Titans in this one. I, I think it'll – Right now, the spread is basically a coin flip. It's basically a, a pick them, and I, I think that's that's a little bit, um, uh, a little bit underrating the Titans. I think to have that be a pick them in an empty stadium. Yeah, I agree. I think they're giving some points for the Broncos for being at home, and I think the no fans factor mitigates that to me. And I, I think they're looking at the roster and uh, the the Broncos ro- roster that is, and you know I, I get it. There's a lot of exciting players there, Jerry Judy. KJ Hamler, the, they bring in Melvin Gordon, uh, but I yeah, I agree with your point um, completely. You know these are new players to a, a team. Uh, these are young players that are being added to you know a young court. You know Drew Locke, no no offense. There's young guys, Cortland Sutton. They've got young guys on offense, and you know I think the potential for them is there. I think as the season goes on, you're going to see that team, you know, get more cohesive, get better. You know, this Titans team brings back 10 and 11 starters. The one non-returner is Dennis Kelly, who, you know, has plenty of experience in this offense, has started games at both left and right tackle. And to me, there's really not a whole lot of reason why we can't see the offense pick up, uh, you know, for the most part, you know, at least uh, to where it left off last season. I don't think they're going to be averaging 30 points a game throughout the season. But, you know, to me, the, the pieces are all there. The stars are still aligned for you know Derrick Henry to do well to uh, for Ryan Tannehill to use the play action and use that you know as, as far as getting explosive plays out of A.J. Brown out of John Smith 
We'll see what kind of impact Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys have. You know, all these guys are healthy. To me, it, it's a game that the Titans, uh, you know, I, I thought I, I probably would have picked to win before Clowney. And I think throwing him into the mix is something, you know, that the Broncos have to prepare for in a hurry. Yeah, how about that if you're the Broncos? Uh, last, oh, by the way, they just signed your debut. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a last. Take, take that game goal. plan and throw it up. Yeah, yeah throw it out. Yeah, I think all of it is a recipe for the Titans going in there and doing what they were unable to do last year. I think you combine the clowning factor, no fans, the familiarity the Titans have in offense, and, and even on defense. You know, they did lose a lot of key veterans, but the core of this defense is still intact. You know, it'll be interesting to see. I think one element that will be interesting to, to keep an eye on is how the defense operates without the MPs, how Mike Rabel or Shane Bowen runs the show. We still aren't crystal clear on that. That to me is a storyline that's continue that's you know worth continuing to monitor. But to me the stars are aligned in Denver for, for the Titans to come out with a win. Hey, you asked me my concern though, and I, that is one though, I think. That, yeah. The uncertainty do I've I've been critical of that pretty much all offseason because I didn't I haven't understood it. I, I, I don't I think it's Mike Vrabel wanting to take on too much is what I think it is. And you know that's not it's not – you need to have a game to see how that works, and they haven't had the chance to have a game to see how that works. Right. So that – that yeah, that's that's reason to be nervous, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think that was going to be a really interesting storyline to watch as the preseason unfolded. So, you know, to, to sort of be going into the season with this plan in this year without the preseason to sort of flesh things out, um, I think that's just bad luck. But we'll, we'll see how that unfolds. There are very few weak spots on this team, though, Yeah, from the starting 22. It, it is hard to look at them right now and see an area where there's real concern with the starters they're going to be sending out there. And Clown, Clowney kind of – it would have been the pass rush and it would have been that spot as Beasley able to play, blah, blah, blah. Now, Clowney – with Clowney, you don't have to worry about Big Beasley. Now he's – Right. He's, if he, he's, he's, he's depth. Is actually he, exactly. He's, he's literally a depth piece. He got Harold Landry and Jadavion Clowney as you're starting outside linebackers. And then, you know, you, you have to think that Clowney, just the threat of him out there, it's, it's kind of like having Derrick Henry in the backfield. He just kind of lifts uh, the potential of everyone else because of the threat of, of just having to know where he is at all times and, you know, what that can do for, for the secondary, for the defensive line. I think there's a real trickle-down factor, um, you know, that Clowney brings that's really going to elevate this defense. Well, and I think – you know, you look at somebody like Derrick Henry, one of the reasons, I mean, obviously he's very talented, but one of the reasons Derrick Henry is as good as he is is how hard he works. Mm-hmm. And he kind of sets the tone for a lot of this team now. I think he's he's probably emerged more of a leader now that this year than he was last year. I think what, what happened in the playoffs last year probably has a lot to do with that. Guys respected Derrick anyway, but it's a different level now, certainly league-wide, not just on the Titans. Um, he was named a team captain. You know, and with Clowney, you've got a guy who – yeah, he, he played a good bit in Seattle in a situation where you didn't think he would. He kind of came in. Here in Tennessee, he's kind of coming in last minute, and, you know, he'll probably play it pretty well. You'd like to see what could that guy do when everything's lined up perfectly. He didn't just sign and randomly show up right before the games. Uh, he stays healthy. He stays involved. He's, you know, I think the, the upside for that guy, I'm not sure we've seen it yet in the NFL, but he's 27. He's still in his prime. And you got to figure if that doesn't happen for him now with Mike Vrabel, 
and on his third NFL team at age 27, which is not what you normally see from number one picks, then I think I think it's a little bit of a prove it situation for Jadavion. I, I don't. I, I think it, it's going to be really interesting to see if the Titans are able to get the best out of him. And it may take a few games. It may take until midseason for him to really get up to speed because hey, you didn't sign until first week of September. What do you expect? Right. Yeah. All that being said, if if I you know if I had to place a bet on whether or not this was the situation for him, I, I can't think of a better. All on, I thought this was the best fit for him. You know, I know he was. Wayne, the Saints, I think the Ravens were in the conversation late. He turned down an offer reportedly from the Browns. To me, all along, this was the best fit because of, of the Rabel factor, because Rabel is the guy that used him uh, most effectively throughout his career. And I think that track record, to me, more than anything, is reason to be optimistic if you're a Titans fan that, you know, it's going to work out and that you're going to see Clowney emerge, you know, into his full potential. I've kind of often said with the Titans, uh, we can we should probably wrap it up here shortly. I've always said with the Titans, as you look at their team, you don't really – they last year they lacked guys that other teams would really be scared of. I mean, I guess Henry. But defensively, I mean, they just aren't that kind of team where you look at them and, they're, and you point out a few guys and say, we can't let that guy beat us. Titans have that now. They have a guy that definitely the other team's going to look at and say, we can't let that guy beat us defensively and clowny. And, and I think – I think Henry's more of that on offense. I think Tannehill's probably going to be more respected, as is A.J. Brown. Maybe John U. Smith, too. I, I see, you know, there's, they've got a lot of guys trending up. And um, I don't know. Could be a good year. But the NFL's hard to predict, Eric. We'll see what happens here. We'll see. You know, to me, it, just one more point on that. You know, you mentioned Clowney being the guy for the Titans. He, he really wasn't that guy for his previous couple of teams. You know, J.J. Watt was the guy for the Texans. Uh, even with Clowney being a first-round pick there. You know, you had Bobby Wagner in Seattle. He is, you know, I, I think Kevin Byard or Sean Evans are guys that are voices of the defense. But as far as the guy that you penciled first, that you're, if you're an opposing offense that you're most scared of, it's it's hands down Clowney. And I think, um, you know, I think that just changes things as far as the way teams are going to prepare for you. Agree. I agree completely. He's the – he is the – the he's not Lawrence Taylor, but it's the fear of what he can do to change a game. Yeah, I mean he is he is that guy on the edge, and that's why he was a, the number one recruit in the country. That's why he was the number one pick in the draft. Not many guys can do what he does. All right, Eric. Well, I guess that's uh, all about do it for this episode of Talking Titans. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, please go to iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcast and try to subscribe to what we're uh, what we're doing here. And I guess Eric, we'll we'll check back after uh, after the first game, huh? Yep, we'll see how it goes. Okay, take care, everybody. Thanks. Talkin' Titans hosts each Thursday at Tennessean.com. You can also subscribe to Talkin' Titans for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. Talkin' Titans is a production of the Tennessean. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.